And we welcome you to another edition of Your Health, New Hampshire, presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. This program focuses on wellness and health education. And today's topic is going to be substance misuse. And we are joined in studio today by our guest, Darren Smith and Samantha Arison. And we welcome you ladies to the program. Great to have you with us. Thank you. And also with us today is our good friend, Natanga Jean Didieu, and he is the program coordinator at Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. And Natanga, welcome back. Always good to see you. Always good to see you, Ken. All right. So first of all, uh, we'll talk to Samantha. And why don't you give us a little bit uh, of your background, Samantha? Yeah, so uh, I'm Samantha Arison. I um, graduated with my um, public health education degree um, with a minor in psychology um, from Caldwell University in 2019. Um, I lived in New Jersey before I moved here. So, um, And from there, um, a lot of my background was more in direct services. Um, so I worked more with clients and patients. Um, so this is my first year in the prevention world in the background of it. Um, so I really love it. So, And Darren? Um, I am Darren Smith. I have been working in the prevention field since 2016. Um, I graduated UNH in 2018 with a bachelor's in business management and minors in health management and policy and public health. Um, I also graduated from Southern New Hampshire University, just forgot my own school, um, <laughs> in 2021 with a master's degree in public health. Um, I currently work for Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center um, as their substance misuse prevention coordinator doing a lot of um, substance misuse prevention and suicide prevention work. All right. So this is a, a program today about substance misuse. So uh, Darren, we'll, we'll start with you. How would you define substance misuse? Yeah, great question. Um, I get this a lot. There's definitely a difference between substance use and substance misuse, um, at least in, in my mind in the work that I do. So when it comes to substance misuse, it's a lot of um, if you are using substances in a way that might negatively impact your life, um, using it as a coping mechanism for stress um, or or at the end of the day, you can't go without it um, and just not using it safely. And so, and what uh, what are we talking about? What what substances are, are we talking about? Yeah, good question. There's a lot of them. Um, the the ones that we see the most are alcohol, um, marijuana, prescription drugs. There's a lot of different substances out there that can um, be used um, in unsafe ways. And Samantha, do you see uh, uh, a lot of substance misuse here in the, the state of New Hampshire? Um. There was a lot of substance use problems, um, but recently we've found that there's not so much a substance misuse problems as it is mental health problems nowadays. Um, so the two do go very hand in hand, though. So. Yeah, I was going to say that 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 must be the case, right? Yeah, definitely. Especially in I think both of our roles, um, Sam and I both um, are working with youth a lot, and we're seeing that youth mental health rates have been um, drastically increasing where actually trends for substance misuse in youth at least are decreasing which that is the good news part of that yeah and uh can you guys talk about what leads to substance misuse and when does it become a problem uh, either one of you can 
you can start. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so your first question, what what, what leads to substance misuse? Um, I think there's a lot of different things that go into um, substance misuse. One is low perception of harm. We're seeing that a lot with our youth, um, that as the years go by, um, youth f- are finding that um, using these different substances, again, alcohol, marijuana, prescription drugs, they're finding it less and less harmful to use. Um, big part of that can be seeing their um, parents using in the home, um, seeing their friends and family, um, seeing it on social media or in um, movies or TV shows. Um, I think a big part of it also is genetics. So if you have uh, substance use disorders in your family, um, that can be a risk factor to substance misuse. Um, But there's also ways that you can build in protective factors in your life so that you can reduce the likelihood of you um, uh, getting a substance misuse disorder or substance use disorder. Um, So that's a lot of what Samantha and I do in our roles is to kind of enhance those protective factors and decrease the risk factors. But you say that they, they see that there's very little danger in it, but, you know, we, we hear otherwise, uh, Samantha. We hear that, uh, you know, some of these drugs are, are mixed with uh, other uh, substances like fentanyl, and we've heard a lot of deaths recently from uh, fentanyl, that sort of thing. Uh, so it, it's not uh, safe to no. to use these uh, these drugs. And that's that's a big part of our role now. Um, I think I forgot to mention I'm also a substance misuse prevention coordinator. <laughs> um, so um, that's also like a big part of our role nowadays is like how do we get the kids to know that there is a real danger here? So yeah, and and there seem it seems to be uh, more dangerous now than it's than it's ever been mm-hmm. because of uh, so many drugs coming into this country. Uh, so many of these uh, uh, drugs that uh, you know were once maybe maybe not as dangerous as they are today, but uh, the, you know, we hear about more marijuana and cocaine uh, laced with fentanyl, and uh, it, it becomes deadly, yeah. and uh, people have to be wary of it. Yeah, I think two um, two misperceptions that I see a lot in my role, and I'm trying to debunk, is um, I think. We'll talk about data later, but um, only 10% of our youth in New Hampshire find um, marijuana risky behavior or can be harmful. Um, And this is something that we're really trying to educate youth in particular on because the THC levels that are in marijuana Mm -hmm. today versus 10, 20, 30 years ago, it's so, so much higher today. So um, the potency is really... Um, causing a lot more problems than what was happening previously. Um, And the other thing also that we're seeing um, across the entire country is fake pills are um, being targeted to youth a lot over social media. So um, youth can kind of purchase fake pills like Adderall or Xanax and it can be delivered to their home. Mm -hmm. So this is something that we're trying to really educate youth on the dangers of what is fentanyl, what can it do to you, how much of a, um, a very, very small amount would you need to take for it to be harmful? Um, and just really our job is focusing so much on that education aspect of um, how to stay safe and how to keep your bodies healthy. Yeah. And most people don't even know that um, you need less than like a penny size of fentanyl to overdose. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it's wow. a scary thought. It really is. And, and you know, people say, I mean, you know, marijuana is so widely accepted. 
these days. I mean, you see, you go to, um, to Massachusetts, not not too far away from here, and and you see all the the signs along the road, the marijuana shops that are open in Massachusetts, and you know there are some people who want that to be the same here in New Hampshire. I mean, there are in in, in Maine as well, and other New England states. And people say, oh, you know, it's just a plant, you know, what, mm-hmm. uh, what, you know, what harm could it possibly do? But you mentioned the levels of THC, and uh, that, that could be very dangerous. Yeah, very, very our dangerous. New Hampshire emergency departments are seeing um, high rates, like increases of um, child children, childs, um, <laughs> children um, taking gummy vitamins, thinking mm. they're vitamins, but they're actually edibles. Mm. And um, so the EDs have been um, really helpful in the kind of, again, debunking the fact that marijuana isn't dangerous because um, to the developing brain, marijuana um, has a lot of impact. So it's really important that we um, keep reminding our youth in particular about this. And there's long been the debate, is marijuana a gateway drug? People have debated it for years and years, since since I've been a kid. And that was a long time ago. <laughs> but does it lead to other things? Does it lead to cocaine? Does it lead to heroin? Does it lead to other uh, more deadly drugs? Uh, so, I mean, the debate continues. <laughs> is marijuana consider- considered a gateway drug? Uh, I believe it is. Um, I believe slowly it is. Um, as these, you know, kids start taking the, the marijuana, whether they're smoking it or eating it, mm-hmm. um, that that risk in their mind becomes less and less. And then they're like, hey, I can use, you know, something else. And, you know, it just builds from there. And then eventually um, it's just a full-blown addiction at that point. And then it leads to other issues uh, in their life, which we will talk about. Mm -hmm. We have uh, another segment uh, coming up. Our topic today is substance misuse. And we're joined in the studio by uh, Darren Smith and Samantha Arison, as well as Natanga Jean Dedu, the uh, program coordinator at Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. And this is Your Health New Hampshire right here on WKXL. 1039 FM in the Concord area, 1019 FM in Manchester and vicinity, WKXL AM at 1450, and anywhere at nhtalkradio.com. We will continue right after these messages, so stay with us. Welcome to Your Health New Hampshire which is presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center, a program that focuses on wellness and health education. On this edition, we're talking about substance misuse. And we have uh, guests in the studio, Darren Smith and Samantha Arison. And also with us, Natanga Jean Dedu from the uh, Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. Great to have all three of you, three of you with us. And... Uh, let's start with you, Samantha, and, and, and talk about the areas in, in your work that you uh, focus on in particular, the, yes. the specific kind of uh, work that you do. Yep. So in my role, I like to focus a lot on two things, harm reduction being one of them, and then um, harm reduction in young adults, and then prevention in the youth. 
Um, so for young adults, um, I do distribute Narcan um, throughout um, the Seacoast. I work for Seacoast Public Health Network. Um, so I distribute Narcan through our Seacoast uh, region, whether that's um, Safe Harbor Recovery Center in Portsmouth or Magnolia um, Recovery House in Hampton. Um, and uh, regionally, we have two coalitions that I work with um, as well, Raymond Coalition for Youth and um, SORAC Coalition as well. Um, so I distribute Narcan through there and then as well as overdose prevention packs. Um, those contain Narcan um, and then PPE to go along with that as well. Um, there was also fentanyl test strips in there as well. Um, and then um, I also have distributed lock boxes for our community. Um, I've given those to Seacoast Mental Health uh, Center in Portsmouth. Um, those really help their clients kind of lock up their medication so their children don't get to it or um, any, if there's, you know, a problem in the home, they can kind of keep their medication separate. So, so tell us a little bit more about Narcan. We, we hear about that uh, all mm -hmm. the time on the news. Uh, tell us a little bit more about it and what it does. Yeah, so Narcan, um, it can be distributed, the, the one that I give out, um, you distribute it nasally, um, and it's to reverse the effects of an overdose. Um, it has worked very well um, for many people, and um, it's important to keep those stocked in, like, anywhere, honestly, whether you're in the public or in your own home, so... And uh, Darren, tell us uh, about your, your specific uh, line of work. Yeah, so um, myself and Samantha have the same position, but just in two different regions. So mm -hmm. in the state of New Hampshire, we have 13 um, regional public health networks um, that I believe are funded through the Department of um, Health and Human Services. Mm -hmm. um, I should know that more. <laughs> um, so my role is within the greater Selvin County region of New Hampshire. And um, my primary focus in my role is prevention, which is with the youth population, because we know that if we can reach people before they start doing the behaviors, um, they have, um, you know, lower rates of use and um, they're they just live happy and healthier lives. Um, so a lot of what I do is working with my uh, five different school districts, giving them education and training around substance misuse and also suicide prevention. Um, I'm noticing this year in particular, I'm focusing a lot more on the mental health aspect. Um, you know, in, in this role, um, substance misuse and mental health, they go so hand in hand. Um, I think I mentioned before, they have a lot of the same protective factors and the same risk factors as well. Um, so while we are educating about the dangers of um, different substances and how um, people can maybe use in safer ways, have Narcan with them, um, never use alone, stuff like that. Um, we also focus on the harm reduction aspect of it as well. But um, my main job is really to um, conduct stakeholder interviews, um, talk to youth about what are you seeing or experiencing around substance misuse in your community, mental health in your community, and what could support you more um, and help you um, help you around these, these topics. So um, by having those stakeholder interviews and those conversations, we've been able to implement a bunch of really great programs and initiatives, you know, youth mentor program, um, we have a great program in my Kearsarge and Newport school districts called Getting to Why, which allows our um, middle schoolers and high schoolers the opportunity to look at their own data and decide 
um, you know, what are some of their strengths in their community, what are some concerns, and how can we support our youth, our young adults, our adults in the community. Um, so I love the work that I do. Um, and I love being able to build these connections with the youth in particular. Yeah, I, I can tell that, that you do by, <laughs> by your enthusiasm. And, you know, Sullivan County, you think of it as a, a real kind of, kind of rural county mm -hmm. uh, in New Hampshire. That doesn't mean there, there isn't a drug problem, yeah. correct? I, I mean, uh, when uh, you know, the last presidential uh, you know, election cycle was going on, you know, it was being talked about that New Hampshire had the second largest drug problem uh, in the country. Mm -hmm. uh, and how, how are the trends? Is it uh, still trending in that direction or have things improved? Yes, yeah, Sam, definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but New Hampshire still um, has a lot of um, overdose rates. Um, we have high rates of substance misuse. I'm pretty sure New Hampshire um, drinks the most alcohol out of any states as well. Mm -hmm. um, a big part of that is because we're such a rural community. Um, and with that, um, suicide rates in rural communities are actually um, much higher as well. So that's why it's so important in our roles to to be um, not just focusing on mental health or substance use. Right. Um, we should really be focusing on both because, again, those risk factors and protective factors are just go hand in hand. Yeah, no, no question about that. So you guys are doing uh, what you can, uh, and uh, let, let's hope those uh, those percentages come down um, over the years. Mm. Uh, is there a lot of uh, drug education uh, out there uh, available to people? Yeah, there's tons of drug education available, and um, we also um, create flyers as well as different educational material to hand out to our schools um, around our communities. Um, I have created countless um, little write-ups to send out to our schools, um, to our coalitions, um, to kind of just prevent drugs and alcohol use and hopefully just kind of let it stick in someone's mind. So. And, and, of course, the, the use of drugs uh, inevitably leads to mental health issues, mm -hmm. uh, suicidal thoughts and tendencies, and uh, ultimately, unfortunately, some suicides. Uh, so uh, where, where do we stand as far as that's concerned uh, here in the state of New Hampshire? I think it's important to, first and foremost, just kind of break the stigma of um, substance use first, um, because many people struggle to reach out for help with their mental health and substance use issues um, just because they fear that, you know, people are going to judge them um, and not really help them the way that they need to. So I think that's the first step in order to, you know, kind of be able to seek help is kind of break that stigma. And do you, do you see any barriers in terms of, you know, people accessing those services? Uh, tons of barriers, yes. Yeah. Um, many of them just being um, the wait times to be able to get these services. A lot of times you have to wait like a month or two to be able to even see like a counselor or a doctor. Um, so that that's really hard because, you know, when somebody makes up their mind that they want to seek help, it could be like a day before they, you know, go back to their their old ways. So wow. it's hard to it's hard to, you know, get them in, rush them in. So. Yeah, I would also add that cost is a really big barrier. Um, and then transportation is a huge one that we see in the rural communities, too. There's not a lot of options for treatment recovery um, support for both mental health and substance use um, in rural communities. So a lot of times 
um, again, the long wait list, um, that's a big part of that as well. And the biggest thing that Sam mentioned is stigma. Um, that's a huge part of our jobs is going out in communities, talking about these subjects openly, giving the opportunity for people to ask us questions in a safe and comfortable environment, because the biggest thing that we can do is talk about this so that if people um, are expressing any warning signs or either substance misuse um, or mental health, um, we can go in and help them as soon as possible. Mm. But there are never enough uh, drug prevention services, uh, probably in any state, but uh, I think it's uh, especially glaring here in New Hampshire that uh, there aren't enough uh, providers uh, in, in that area. And a lot of it has to do with funding as well of mm -hmm. these programs. Sure. Um, for for me, I help fund a lot of the prevention programs for our schools. Um, I have funded recently one of our Getting to Why programs, um, like Darren is doing, um, as well as just kind of spring prevention programs. So um, during you know prom and graduation time, just making those right decisions, as well. And um, I'm also funding a. Um, prevention program where um, incoming middle schoolers, they, they all get together um, as they kind of get together within schools and their parents get together mm -hmm. so then they can kind of learn prevention together. So. Well, like anything, it's important to communicate yeah, uh, uh, about these topics and we'll do more of that uh, following this uh, upcoming break here on WKXL. The name of the show is Your Health New Hampshire. And it's presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. It's a program that deals with wellness and health education. And our topic today is substance misuse. And we'll be back with more right after these words on WKXL and nhtalkradio.com. Welcome back. This is Your Health New Hampshire on WKXL 1039 in the capital region of New Hampshire, 1019 FM in the Manchester area, 1450 AM WKXL and nhtalkradio.com. This is Your Health New Hampshire presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center, a program that focuses on wellness and health education. Topic today is substance misuse. Our guests in studio are Samantha Arison and uh, Darren Smith, along with Natanga Jean Dedieu from the uh, Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. He is their program coordinator. And uh, in this segment, we want to talk about substance misuse among the young. And uh, I think maybe some people may be alarmed by what we're going to hear, but uh, Samantha, do you want to tackle that first? Um, maybe I should pass it off to Darren. Yeah, okay. I'm happy to. Um, okay. I would love to um, kind of, you know, I've been using the word debunk yeah. um, a lot. So I'd love to um, talk about the importance of our work is really to debunk the um, the stigma or social norms that everyone is doing these behaviors um, because the the results are showing that the majority of youth are not using substances, um, as I mentioned before. So um, I have some data from the Youth Risk Behavior Survey. So a little bit before, a little bit about that before I go into the numbers mm -hmm. is the Youth Risk Behavior Survey is a survey that is administered um, every two years. It's done by the um, Centers 
for oh my gosh the cdc um it's done in most um high schools nationwide and then middle schools can do it as well if they have funding um so the purpose of the survey is there um are over 100 questions that are all about um different health risk behaviors so it can be um nutrition um your safety substance misuse mental health um stuff like that. So the purpose of this survey is really to get a good idea of what is happening with the youth population, because a lot of times um, us adults can make assumptions of what Mm -hmm. is happening. So it's really, really important for us to be um, getting a good idea of truly what is happening with the youth. And then Sam will talk about once we get this um, this information, we can talk to the youth more about, you know, this is what your numbers show. Why do you think this is? Um, so again, the debunking the thought that everyone is doing it is really important because most youths are not using substances. So in um, the state of New Hampshire, we are currently using the results from the 2021 YRBS report. Um, the 2023 report is being administered right right now, right basically. Now. Yeah. So we'll hopefully get those results in the next year or so. But in New Hampshire, um, our youth reported that almost 80% Um, are not drinking alcohol, Um, 82% are not using marijuana, and 96% are not using prescription drugs um, without a doctor prescribing it. And then 84% are not vaping. So these are statistics that, again, the assumption is that all youth are vaping, all youth are using marijuana, all youth are this, but you can see that the majority of our youth are not doing this um, whatsoever. So um, this is really showing also that our substance use rates around youth um, using these substances are decreasing over the years, which is awesome. Um, But I know I did mention earlier that um, youth are also reporting decreased rates of perception of harm around all of these substances, um, meaning that they're not finding these substances as dangerous. I mentioned before, this can be Um, the perception that everyone is doing it. They're seeing marijuana legalized in all the states around them. Um, They're seeing, they're getting vapes from their family or friends or whatever. Um, But also we're seeing increased ease of access. So youth are not finding these um, behaviors as risky, but they're also finding it easier to access. So those are two points that I think um, Sam and I in our work, we definitely want to try to Um, educate the youth on the dangers, but also stop those social norms that um, all youth are using, because as we can see, um, they're not, which is awesome. Well, that's good news from Darren. (laughs) (laughs) That really is. That is is good to hear. Uh, Samantha, what would you like to add to that? Yeah, um, something interesting about the YRBS is that um, the Seacoast um, region, actually, their data was not published because um, the YRBS is actually like an opt-in survey, so um, your kids can take it or they cannot. Um, And they didn't have enough data through the seacoast to be able to publish that. Um, So I think it's important to be able to try and just um, let the schools know that these kids really do need to be taking the survey in order for us to be able to, you know, help and do our jobs, so. So how how long has the uh, youth risk behavior survey uh, been going on? Um, I, for a long, long time. Okay, (laughs) so so it's not a new thing. No, No, and it's, I think there's also stigma that 
Um, it's not reliable. Youth aren't taking it seriously and all this stuff. And again, we're seeing that this is just perceptions. Um, you know, I might say, oh, I don't think Ken is taking this seriously. There's no way he is. But then you ask Ken and Ken says, oh, I'm taking it seriously, but I don't think Darren took it seriously. So the CDC does a really good job bringing in evaluators to also be able to um, figure out, like pull the data of maybe youth who um, are trying to (laughs) do falsified data and stuff like that. So the YRBS is so reliable. It's extremely, extremely important for us in our roles, prevention, schools, um, all these organizations to help try to do prevention efforts. Because if we're not seeing the, the data, like our mental health data right now is really, really scary. Um, it's about, I think 45% of our youth have, um, said that they are so sad or hopeless for two weeks in a row that Mm -hmm. they're unable to do their um, normal activities, which is a sign of depression. Um, I I think about 20% of our youth have um, considered suicide and about 10% of our youth have attempted suicide. Mm -hmm. That's one in 10 kids in New Hampshire are attempting suicide. And those numbers are way too high. So if we didn't have this data, we wouldn't be able to know how much of a concern this is. And we wouldn't be able to be going into schools, doing the Getting to Why program, talking to parents about the importance of um, talking to their kids about how are you doing in school? Is there, Do you feel safe? Um, do you have any questions about anything? Um, so it, it's, it's really just such a good report that um, we hope will continue um, over the years because it's just so impactful to our work. And have, have you seen anything from the data that suggests that um, you know, maybe the numbers has increased since COVID or you know, have the data not said anything? in that nature. So um, with COVID, um, the data actually got kind of a little messed up because it was hard to um, get those kids to come into the school and do it because they were doing virtual. Right. Um, so it was hard to get those kids. I guess um, some schools would do like a couple days in, a couple days virtual. Um, so around the YRBS time, a lot of kids stayed home um, when the data was coming out. So it was very difficult to try to get that um, COVID data. Um, so a lot of those numbers might not be as accurate, but it's it's still pretty accurate. So I think though, at least in my region, um, my schools were back in session. So we had a really good turnout. Um, I think though, we're seeing from, from the results and talking to kids um, and school staff that Um, substance use has decreased since COVID, but also mental health um, has increased so, so much because kids felt isolated. They um, were having difficult times in schools. They were having trouble connecting with other kids their age. They were always on social media. So um, we definitely saw with COVID that there was an impact, especially to mental health. Do you see a correlation between drug use and mental illness? Yes. Yeah. Um, even like Portsmouth alone, um, their their coalition was able to get the the data for Portsmouth alone, and um, a lot of it, twenty five percent of kids reported that they had um, alcohol and substances in the house, um, and along with that, they also reported that their parents were doing it as well. Um, so that is, you know, very astounding because you know now now you're kind of gathering and trying to put t- together the assumption that, you know, are the are the parents giving this to the kids? Are the mm. kids stealing it? You know, we're we're just not totally sure, but it, it was a pretty big number. So 
Yeah. And, and, and what about the, the suicide rate? Is that connected at all to, uh, to drug use? Yep. So um, I did a focus group recently at Sanborn High School um, in Danville. And a lot of the kids were saying that um, we, we have nowhere to go. No one wants to do anything anymore. No one wants to go out in the community to these you know, programs. So now like the, the suicide rates and the anxiety and depression rates are skyrocketing. So Yeah, and a lot of times I know I mentioned before that substance misuse and mental health often goes hand in hand. Um, oftentimes people might use substances like let's say alcohol if they had a really difficult day and so they'll use um, substances as a coping mechanism <clears throat> for stress for stress. Um, but then a lot of times people also, if they're using substances, um, their anxiety and depression rates can increase too. So it's all kind of a chicken or the egg situation. <laughs> yep, right, exactly. And today uh, we're talking about substance misuse on the program, which is called Your Health New Hampshire, presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. And uh, so pleased to have uh, with us uh, Darren Smith and Samantha Arison, along with Natanga Jean Dedu. And we have one more segment uh, coming up here on the program today. So we hope you stay with us right here on WKXL and NHTalkRadio.com. We welcome you back to Your Health, New Hampshire, here on WKXL. 1039 in the Concord area, 1019 in Manchester, 1450 AM, and nhtalkradio.com. The program is Your Health, New Hampshire, and it's presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center, or AHEC for short. And uh, joining us are Darren Smith and Samantha Arison, along with Natanga Jean Didieu, he is the program coordinator at uh, Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. The topic today is substance misuse. And Samantha, you can help us out. Tell us about some of the resources that are available uh, for those who are in need. Yeah, so there's a ton of resources available. Um, um, most currently is the, the rollout of the uh, National Suicide and Crisis Line 988. Um, so you can text or call that number and you'll be routed to a trained professional. Um, and you can talk about, you know, how you're feeling or anything. And if you'd like someone to come to you, they will send someone your way. Um, so that's really important, as well as the New Hampshire Rapid Response Access Point. Um, you can call or text 833-710-6477, um, and you'll get connected to a trained um, clinical staff, and um, you can talk to them the same way you'll talk to 988. Um, you, this could be um, totally, it could be a medical emergency as well. It doesn't have to be um, just suicide prevention. Um, and then another thing I'd like to talk about is the the New Hampshire doorway. Um, each region has their doorway. Um, the Seacoast region's in Dover at Wentworth Hospital, Wentworth Douglas, um, and they hand out Narcan, they hand out um, um, substance use prevention materials, they hand out um, overdose prevention materials as well. So they are stock full of stuff. And again, the uh, National Suicide and Crisis Line is 988. Has is, is that been around for a while? Um, that just rolled out. Um, it's replacing the old suicide prevention line. 988 is just so much easier to right. remember and text and call. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and part of the reason that 988 was rolled out was because um, – 
you know, talking about your mental health and suicide is so stigmatized. Yeah. Um, so to make a three-digit code, right. 988, um, it's just like 911, where if you are in crisis and you need support, you know you just have three numbers that you need to remember. And it was a really good way to, um, you know, show America that this is something that we are here to support you with. Well, that that is terrific. So, uh, Darren, uh, can you tell us about the uh, Never Use Alone? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know Sam just mentioned the doorway, which has um, those free um, products and services that they can help with. Um, and when we really emphasize harm reduction, um, I wanted to mention the Never Use Alone line, which is 1-800-484-3731. Um, this is a fantastic organization that understands the importance of harm reduction. And this group emphasizes the importance of never using substances by yourself because of the risk of overdose. Um, and they stay on the line with you while you are using. Um, so first, when you um, get connected with them. They'll ask you your name, your location, and then the number that you're calling from. Um, that way, when you are using a substance, if you stop responding after um, using it, the operator will notify emergency services of an unresponsive person, and then somebody will um, come and help you, which is which is an awesome, awesome um, resource. So that is never used alone. Again, it's uh, 1-800-484-3731. And we know that uh, in, in many instances when uh, servicemen and women uh, return home from, from duty overseas or anywhere else uh, from, from that matter, uh, there are some uh, mental health issues which mm -hmm. could lead to drugs and, and drug addiction. So uh, what about uh, veterans? How are they serviced? Yeah, great question. Um, there's a veterans crisis line, which is 1-800-273-8255. Or you can text 838-255. Um, and this is a free and confidential support service for veterans and their loved ones. Um, I'll also add that there is an LGBTQ national helpline um, at 1-888-843-4564 um, that provides free and, on and confidential one-to-one uh, -one peer support over telephone, um, open to all ages, and provides peer counseling information and local resources geared towards the LGBTQ plus community. Well, so there are a lot of resources out there. I guess uh, the important thing is that people find out about them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, through shows like this and certainly other publicity they get uh, as well. But uh, when you're in that, uh, that state of, of addiction, uh, you know, it might be difficult to, uh, to you know, find these sources. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, Perhaps the, the best thing to do is to just have them handy, right? Uh, and uh, have them uh, most accessible to you and and maybe put them in your phone, perhaps. Yeah, or uh, even... Um, let loved ones know. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's important that we, you know, plaster them around our community as well. Yeah. Grocery stores, convenience stores, everything. So. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about Narcan and how uh, effective it is. Uh, in, in terms of uh, overdoses, when people overdose and uh, the success rate it's had, but uh, but I guess for you know the the people that are addicted and and do overdose, they have to know where it is. Correct? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It is uh, you know as we mentioned the the great tie that uh, the tie between drug addiction 
and mental health, uh, they, they just, as you said, uh, go hand in hand. Yeah. And uh, it's something that, uh, you know, there's, there's a, a great deal of stigma uh, to it. But, you know, part of the issue is that we have to destigmatize it. Yes. And, uh, and get, get counseling and get all the help that we can possibly get in this, in this state of New Hampshire. Have, have, has, you know, the, the level of, of drug dependence uh, increased or decreased uh, since COVID uh, hit us in, in 2020? Has there been any impact at all one way or the other on what COVID did to the state of addiction in, in New Hampshire and other places? It definitely increased it, I would say, um, whether it's mostly in probably older, um, like youth and young adults, um, definitely kind of people just kind of don't want to go anywhere anymore. They want to sit at home, and that's kind of a coping mechanism for them instead of going out and into the real world, just staying at home in their own little bubble and doing what makes them feel good. So. Now, you mentioned vaping, yeah. and uh, that, is, that is certainly in, in a previous program we had here, we talked about vaping, and uh, it seems that uh, from the data we've seen that uh, quite a few high school students, maybe even junior high students, and maybe even in elementary school in some cases, are vaping. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we talked about you know marijuana being you know perhaps uh, a gateway drug, uh, and what what about vaping? Do you, do you see the the impact that that has had? Yeah, we're seeing a lot of vaping in our schools, um, and it's a lot of our counselors are seeing vaping over pretty much all of the other substances. Um, And I would just add, like, for parents, it's really important for parents to realize um, how dangerous vapes can be for youth. Um, You know, they they have such high rates of nicotine. They can have um, illicit drugs put in it. We've seen some youth in New Hampshire are figuring out how to um, dissolve pills into their vapes. So they're not only, um, you know, putting nicotine in their lungs, they're also putting what they think is Xanax or Adderall, but they're actually fake pills. So it could have fentanyl in it. Um, this I'm not saying that this is happening with everyone, as we know, um, right. it's not everybody doing this. Um, but it's just really important for us all to be aware of what um, vaping can do, especially to the developing brain um, with addiction. Um, And I would love to share a resource um, for anybody looking to get some support with quitting um, vaping or tobacco. You can go to mylifemyquit.com. And this is free and confidential ways to um, quit smoking or vaping for both adults and youth. Um, But you can also text start my quit to 36072 or visit their website again mylifemyquit.com um, and start chatting with a coach a quit coach um, to develop a plan to help you quit um, i think this is a resource in my job that i have been spreading <laughs> this resource far mm-hmm. and wide um, because it's just so important for our youth to truly understand what vaping is doing to their developing brain. Right, it is so true. Yep, and uh, one of my other question was, in your line of work, do you do you see people reaching out for help or are you guys going in the community? Yeah, I think we're going in the community more than people are reaching out for help nowadays. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that, you know, your brain isn't fully developed until you're 25. Mm-hmm. So as you're starting these things so young, it's it's really hard to quit you know after a while so i think us going into the schools is really important okay
And after someone, um, you know, gets the help from the services that you provide, is there some sort of, you know, aftercare? Is there some sort of, you know, I don't know, weekly follow-up, monthly follow-up to see how they're doing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. If you um, connect with a coach, that the coach is with you until, you know, until you feel like you don't need them anymore. So Nice. And our school counselors are great about figuring out what the youth in our community needs and what support they need. Well, I want to thank all of you for being with us today here on uh, Your Health New Hampshire. It has been fascinating, eye-opening, and uh, and thank you very much for the work that, that you do, both of you, both uh, yep. uh, Darren Smith and Samantha Arison, and you, Natanga, Natanga Jean Didieu, <laughs> a program coordinator at Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. They're the presenters of this program, which is called Your Health New Hampshire, a program that focuses on wellness and health education Heard on WKXL 1039 FM, 101 FM in the Manchester area, 1450 AM, and nhtalkradio.com. Thank you all very much for listening, and uh, join us next time for our next edition of Your Health New Hampshire on WKXL.